Welcome to the Evolving Accountant Podcast. We all know that some accountants can be boring, but definitely not this one. Why talk trial balances and P&L when we can get ripped jeans into the boardroom and hear business insights from people who have really walked the talk? Get ready. Here comes an all-new episode with your host, Darren Wingfield. Hi there and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Accountant Podcast powered by Harlands. I'm delighted today to say that I'm joined by Paul Davison, Managing Director of the Serios Group. Hi Paul and welcome to the show. For our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, but more importantly what your drive is to get out of bed in the morning? Certainly, Darren. Um, I'm MD at Serios Group, as you said there. My role encompasses looking after HR, people, finance, and sort of the, the general day-to-day running of the organisation. Um, I consider myself pretty lucky. Um, I've, I've always really enjoyed um, the, the work that I do. Um, I love working with people, seeing them develop and grow. Um, we've taken on a number of graduates and, uh, and apprentices, uh, and it, it's really exciting to see them sort of develop um, their careers at the early stage through into, into consulting. And there's no two days the same in Serios Group, which uh, keeps it really interesting for me. On a, on a personal level, I'm, I'm just just on the right side of 50, uh, married with, with two kids and a, and a Boston Terrier dog. I coach um, an under-13s um, football team, which I've done for, for six years, and that ties in very much to sort of the, the development side of things. It's been great seeing them grow and, and develop over the, over the years. And I'm also a, a keen cyclist. And I've been lucky enough to, to travel to, to France, um, Spain, Mallorca, and recently back from a, from a trip to Italy, riding the bike uh, up and down some, some pretty big hills or mountains, as they're also known. I did see that post about the small hills, let's say, and thought that. <laughs> Rolling back the years, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about what your career or your journey has been like, ultimately to get to the current day at Serios? Um, yeah, I think if I was going to sum it up in a, in a word, it would probably be quite diverse. Um, I graduated from Sunderland uh, Uni with a, a BA in, in business computing. Um, many, many years ago, um, as you probably guessed from me, uh, just the right side of 50 comment. At the time, there were, there were limited careers um, in IT in, in the Northeast, um, which is one of the reasons why it's great to see that people have got so many opportunities in, in the region now. Uh, so I, I started off going down to, to London um, and I was working installing network cables on a divisional headquarters for the, the police in, uh, in Collindale in, in North London, which was uh, pretty interesting. It involved... Tra- traveling down on the uh, what's now the mega bus on a, on a Sunday night uh, overnight and then uh, grabbing a, a couple of hours sleep in in one of the uh, the cells that were being constructed before starting work on the site did that for about six months um, and then came back up to the the northeast where I did some work with uh, van Mildert and um, working in, in fashion retail about as far away from from what I was doing there as, as you can get and setting up um, an EPOS system for them, which was around doing all of their stock controls, stock management and, and sales. Uh, I left there and, and joined um, Sage, where I first got uh, got into testing. Um, and then, as I say, probably the, the rest is, is history from there. I had various roles um, around multiple companies in the Northeast and then got into consulting, working with teams within British Telecom, DWP, and Virgin Money, so a lot of big corporate organisations. I learned a lot going around, travelling around these these different companies, working as a, as a 
a test management consultant, certainly in terms of ways of working and within different organizations, team constructs, uh, what makes a, a good team, what, what you should try and avoid when you're pulling your teams together. And, and all of that for me has been uh, invaluable when, uh, when we're looking at setting up the, the team within Serios Group. I initially met Lee, who's our CEO, when I was working as a consultant with, with Virgin Money. And I've had a, a long-standing relationship with, with Dave Milnes, our test services director, who, who was working with me in, in Virgin Money, but I've worked with since probably around about 2003, 2004. And then we, we formed Serios Group in, in February 2020, um, just a, a month before the pandemic hit, which was uh, quite interesting timing and uh, challenging in many ways, but uh, we, we learned a lot of lessons from it. Perfect. So we agreed that today's topic of conversation would be around data-driven decisions and ties naturally, obviously, what Serios do. If you were describing your job to an eight-year-old, can you describe what you do? <laughs> I struggle to describe it to my wife, never mind to an eight-year-old, Darren, but, uh, but I'll, I'll try. What I would say is that, um, in essence, we deliver quality solutions and, and no two deliveries are the same, which, which is why it's often difficult to, to quantify exactly what we do. As an organisation, we, we've got a, a unique blend of, of data analytics um, with, with testing and quality assurance services. And that means that the clients can be 100% confident in, in the solution that, that we're delivering. In terms of those solutions, they're essentially project deliveries. Um, those projects will be to enable clients to, to better understand their data. They'll have a, a requirement um, that, that we'll work with them to, to understand in terms of what they're looking to get out of the project delivery. And that can be anything from reducing costs in terms of downtime or, or maintenance, um, which will effectively lead to increased efficiency and maybe then reducing their carbon carbon footprint. Um, brand ourselves as being technology and, and market agnostic. Um, and, and what I mean by that is we target our large corporate clients, but it's not necessarily that we'll do that in a particular industry. Um, we're working with people in manufacturing space. We're working with sports companies and we're working with charities. So we've, we've got a very diverse client base. And our, our data analytics offerings will always come with, with test and quality assurance embedded within them because that's the only way that we can we can guarantee that the quality of what we're delivering. Um, but we also offer, offer testing and QA as a, as a standalone service um, aside from the, the data analytics. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. But as you can see there from what I'm saying, there, it's very, very diverse and difficult to, to sort of put a badge on it. Ah, cool. Just for the main area of obviously trying to understand that diverse stuff that you do, we've picked out, I've picked out a couple of projects or stuff that I did from my research of the website and stuff that I would like to dig a bit deeper, go into and stuff. So the first one was around the real estate facilities manager management industries was embracing the shift to smart tech yeah. with a large volume of data being generated on IoT devices and BMS systems. From your point of view and the Serios point of view, what does a day in the life of this type of work look like or what does that project entail? Yeah, so as I said earlier, no two projects are the same. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll give a bit of a sort of a helicopter 
of you, if you like, first of all, Darren. And any solution for us starts with a discovery phase um, because the, the key thing for us is the, is the collaboration with the client. We knew, need to understand what they're looking to achieve with their data. And without being able to understand that, we can't really give them a, a solution. There are three different layers in terms of the data. You've got the descriptive layer, which will tell you what's already happened. You've got the predictive layer, which will tell you what's going to happen and, and when. And then prescriptive, and that's where you'll have things like actions that you want to do on the basis of the data that's coming into the platform. And um, so I'll, I'll go into sort of a, a bit of a worked example for that, just to try and bring it to life a little bit from and the facilities management perspective. Um, if you imagine something like an air conditioning unit in, in a boardroom, you, you'll have sensors on that unit and it'll be monitoring metrics that might be air quality, throughput, and there might even be a COVID sensor on there to trigger when there's COVID in, in the system. And though the data from that unit uh, will be streamed through into our platform, which would typically be built on AWS or Azure, There'll be dashboards um, likely plumbed into that, built in Power BI or Tableau, which will enable you to give um, pretty much real-time analysis in terms of what's going on with that unit. And the units will essentially then self-report. What that means is for the, the organization, um, you can reduce the need for the engineer side visits. So typically, you might have, from a facilities management perspective, somebody who goes out on a monthly basis to go and, and check that unit. It could be that they go out, check the unit, the measurements are in it within their tolerances, they leave the site and it could fail the next day. With these sensors in place, you can do a lot more intelligent monitoring and you can start to, based on the descriptive data that you build up over a period of time, understand when something's likely to go wrong. So if you think there might be a filter in the aircon unit, as that filter becomes blocked, the air throughput will reduce. So when you build that intelligence in, it says actually once the and um, the air throughput starts to drop down to a particular level, the likelihood is that we're going to need to replace the filter. You can then start to put triggers in there. And that's when you can get into the, the prescriptive analytics, which will say, right, well, what we're seeing is that there's a likelihood that this filter is going to need replaced in the next six weeks. And you can then build in things where you'll do all the clever and analytics, which will say, right, actually, it's going to fail in six weeks. We know that the, the lead time for one of these particular filters is, is four weeks. So let the analytics platform trigger out an ERP system, order that filter for you. And then because your ERP system can also be integrated into your data platform, when that product comes into stock, you can then automatically look to do things like raise work orders for engineers to go out on the site to that particular unit to, to fit the filter. So what that means is from a facilities management perspective, then before the organization who own the building are getting in touch and saying the aircon's not working, the facilities management company have already, they, they know the date when it's going to stop working. They've ordered the part in and they've sent somebody in to fix it. Um, and because they haven't got engineers going out on site month on month, it also helps them to reduce their costs in terms of people traveling around site, um, as well as reducing their, their carbon footprint. Cool. That, it's amazing the world that we live in today. Something as simple as, the, the one that I'm thinking of is, can we put a sensor on a McDonald's milkshake machine, please? Because every time I open, <laughs> it's never working. We'll give them a shout, Darren, and see what we can do. I bet it's, it's the strawberry one as well. Certainly. Always is the strawberry one. It's just even the, like, the northeast branches, that's fine. Just so, just depending on where I am. We'll get that pulled together as a use case and uh, put, it, put it out to them. 
Cool. Perfect. <laughs> so the obviously the other side, the Northeast loves sport. We we're not going to deny it. We do have differences in opinions on which colour football strip is the better team. We won't go into that. But Serios as a firm have recently partnered up with some sports teams to create bespoke player performance and recruitment platforms capable of analysing the teams, the games, the players, and to identify new talent. Can we go into sort of this project and where Serios fits, where it goes in the future as well? Sure, yeah. Lee, Lee and I are big, big, uh, big Sunderland fans, and uh, Dave sits on your side of the fence as a as a black and white. There's a bit of a conflict of interest there, um, but, but we, we've got a team um, that are, that are embedded and, and collaborating very closely with, with Sunderland's own internal data analytics team. And, and what we're doing is we're, we're building a bespoke um, player performance and recruitment platform. And it pulls in data from from multiple sources, and so there there are there are lots of open source things, and um, like the Opta platform, which will gather metrics and stats, uh, as well as internal um, platforms that the uh, that the club use, and um, which will be gathering data from uh, things like the, the the vests that you see all all the players wearing these days. The platform itself gives sort of detailed insights into the players' capabilities using performance, sports science, and, and as well as medical data. Um, and that that might be things like average position on the pitch in terms of the hotspots for the, the the various players, how far they're running in matches, when they're starting to get tired. You can use the tooling built from a dashboarding perspective to look at particular aspects of the game, whether you want to do um, a five-minute view, a 45-minute view, a 70-minute view, and looking at when goals are scored and whether you're particularly susceptible to scoring later on conceding late goals or whether you're actually scoring a lot of late goals because your fitness is higher and all these kind of things help to give sort of that uh, that additional edge with a lot of the the, the data as well they can also look at um, opposition teams and it's helping in terms of, of game planning um, and also to help identify new talent so that the platform will eventually allow the recruitment team to to select and, and compare different transfer targets based on their, their, their skill levels, their playing style, their work rate. And, and they can also look at how those players will, will fit into the team based on, on the data that's there. Very exciting. And obviously, as a, a big Sunderland fan, you and Lee, you'll actually enjoy looking at them stats around some of the players that no one else has heard of. So it's... Uh... <laughs> oh, you'll be hearing about them soon, Darren, don't you worry? <laughs> <laughs> I had to get the dig in while I could. So... Is this something that you are going to keep precious to the Sunderland side of things, or are you going to let others have a look at this platform in the future, like the bigger Northeast neighbours? We might have to adapt it for Newcastle. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll say I'll say no more than that. But no, no, it, it is it is a, an exciting offering, and it, it's uh, it's potentially something that, that will allow us to get um, involved with. with with other clubs as well, um, and, and not just within within the northeast. In the same way that none of our two clients are the same, no two clubs will be the same in terms of how they want to analyse the data. So it wouldn't be a, a one size fits all platform necessarily, because different teams and different managers even will will have different views in terms of the data that they want to look at, how they want to have it presented. So. As a concept, it's out there, um, and it's something that we can uh, we can extend on with uh, with other clubs potentially. Perfect. So, any other exciting projects on the card right now? 
And we've, we've got lots of exciting projects going on. One of them is that we're currently developing our own uh, SaaS platform. Um, I can't say too much on that at the moment, um, but we're, we're going to um, do a, a beta launch with one of our clients. Um, it, it's a really interesting offering, uh, and, and that will be something that uh, we, we'll be looking to to sell into the marketplace. Um, but we, we'll have some more news about that sort of in the in the coming months. So watch out for our press releases on that one. Is all I'll say. I'm not even going to get an exclusive here, am I? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you've mentioned uh, SaaS product coming. And what what's around the corner for yourself, Paul? Um, well, work-wise, uh, we're currently looking to to move into a larger premises and um, to allow greater collaboration be- between our clients and staff, um, which, which is really exciting. Um, we're looking at a at a larger space, um, which will give more opportunity for collaboration, getting clients on site, etc. The, the rate of growth um, that, that we're at, we've been adding three new members a, a month um, since the, the start of the uh, the financial year, which from a, an organisational perspective offers uh, great opportunities for growth, um, but also new challenges as well in terms of onboarding, development and training of, of these people. So that's where a, a lot of my time and effort over the, the, the coming weeks and, and months is uh, is going to go. So that's that sort of work-wise. And then outside of work, obviously I mentioned earlier, I'm a, I'm a keen cyclist. I'm hoping to do something uh, from a, a charity fundraising perspective next year. Maybe uh, Land's Enter John and Groves, that's when I if I can uh, get approval and sign off from the uh, from the ministers. And the, t- the time off the w- off work. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the other one. It's... Uh, said it's, it's a very very busy time so the, the, the amount of time that it would take me and it probably would take me quite a lot of time um is uh might preclude me from doing that but uh, we'll see we'll see cool so rolling back the years paul thinking that time where you left sunderland uni what's the one thing you'd wish you had known back then or the one piece of advice you would give one of the grad students walking through the serios doors right now that's a, a really good question, Darren. I think during my career, I've, I've learned lots of lessons, but I don't think I'd be the person I am today without actually learning them firsthand. I think knowing the answers up front would have made things a lot easier, but probably not as interesting. And so I don't think that there's particularly anything I, I wish I'd known before I started because I've enjoyed learning the lessons and, and developing throughout my career. And I've probably made a lot of mistakes as I've gone. And definitely would have done um but i've learned from them and i think for me that's the the best way of learning and that that's probably the, the thing that i would say to um the the new recruits that we've got within the organization is, is don't be afraid to fail because you, you'll learn as much um, and probably more from your, your failings as you will from your successes fair point once you press that wrong button once you don't press that again do you exactly exactly <laughs> so one of our values at Harlands is we love to learn so I always I like to ask every guest how do you learn who do you take your advice from and sort of looking at that recommended reading piece as well whether there's any business books that sort of jump out at year as a bit of a go-to or had that light bulb moment for you Paul? Um, it's, a, it's another interesting one Dan, I, I don't do vast amounts of, of, of reading and um, what I'll, what I'll tend to do is I find I learn a lot more from, from working with people and, and experiences and rather than sort of just going away and, and reading a, a book. Um, and I, I don't know whether a lot of that is down to sort of time constraints as well because of kids' football coaching, going on doing various um, activities with, with 
the kids on a, on a night um, as well as work takes up vast amounts of time. So by, by the time I get to go into bed on a night, it's normally head down and, and go to sleep um, rather than sitting and, and reading a book. Um, so I think from, from my perspective, I would say I've, I've worked with a lot of great people um, and some not so great people. Um, but I, I've, I've learned stuff from, from all of them. And that's where a lot of my learnings have, have, have come from. If there is something specific that I, I want to look into and I think, right, I, I need to sort of enhance myself in a, in a particular area, um, I, I tend to then just look at dedicated resources online for that sort of as and when required rather than reading stuff up front. Um, I, might, I might be a bit of an oddity in that uh, in that respect. <laughs> no, no, it's the run. I don't read. I, uh, I learn by YouTube or learn via mistakes as well. So, and final question from me, Paul. If anyone wants to know more about Serios, where's the best place for them to go to grab that info? Yep. Um, we're literally everywhere LinkedIn, we're on Twitter at Serios Group, um, same on Instagram, um, on Facebook. Or you can get us on www.seriosgroup.com um, if you want to find out more about who we are, what we do, um, and the career opportunities that we've got there at the moment. Amazing. Just want to say thank you for your time today, Paul. It's been great having a chat, uh, sharing more about the exciting stuff that you do at Serios and the guys is doing day in, day out. Thank you for your time. No problem. It's been really good speaking to you, Darren. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Accountant. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all our other episodes at theevolvingaccountant.co.uk.